Welcome. So glad to be with you today. And I want to talk to you today about the need for uh, for the idea of a reckoning. What do I mean by that? We live in a postmodern age that believes strongly that maybe there's no God, or maybe if there is a God, he's not fair. Uh, he calls all the shots. Who does he think he is? And there needs to be a final judgment, and the Scripture speaks of judgment. And But often, the way it's always been framed is through the eyes of like a fire and brimstone preacher, kind of just condemning everybody who doesn't obey the rules. But it's a lot more complicated than that. It's so easy to, dis- to dismiss that which we oversimplify. And today I'd like to just take a moment and, and just talk about uh, why, why it's important to not dismiss that word judgment in the world and in our lives. Judgment is not a four-letter word. Now, there's a scripture tucked away in Ecclesiastes that says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And it is important because even Jesus, if you didn't know this, Jesus taught more about hell and judgment than any other writer of the Bible. And whenever someone emphasizes something that much, we better pay attention. So what is judgment today? What, what do I mean by judgment? Do I mean that God is this angry person just waiting to stomp on our heads? This is not what I mean by judgment. N.T. Wright defines judgment as the sovereign declaration that is good and to be upheld and vindicated, and that evil is to be condemned, or, or that, that is evil and, and to be condemned. In other words, the good becomes vindicated and the evil becomes condemned. That is, that is a very simple uh, definition for, for judgment. And what will be judged? Well, let's read it again. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. We are living in times where so many things become exposed and so many secrets of, of just things happening that are scary. And for God will bring every work into judgment, it means that whether it's open or in secret, He's going to judge it. And it will, become, it will come under His scrutiny. And even God's own followers come under some kind of judgment when it comes to the works that they produce. Whether or not they produce fruit, those things will be judged, even though their souls will not be judged because they are in Christ. But my point is, is that why do we need judgment today? What is it so important? Why, do we, why, why don't we want to see the word judgment as a four-letter word? Again, I grew up in a very uh, staunch, rigid kind of uh, Christianity where everything was a sin and you, know, you couldn't do anything. So you were always afraid of God condemning you. And then as I grew and I, and I learned about the grace of God and I learned about how that His primary quality is love. He loves all of us. But... It is because He loves us that He must judge us. Because what good is is loving someone, uh, you know, a parent loving their child if they never judge their actions, whether they, they're right or wrong, if they just let them do what they want. But here's my point. Just a couple of reasons why we need judgment, why, we, why there has to be a reckoning at some point where, where all things become uncovered and, and justice happens. If there is no judgment, then good and evil have no meaning at all. It means that people can do anything they want, whenever they want it, and and that's it. You know, no rules, whatever. And you need someone who is like a, a an umpire who makes the calls. 
Someone who's not me, someone who's not you, someone who's even beyond the, the leaders of the world, someone who is maybe the creator of the world, making and calling shots. And what happens is when we don't have judgment in our lives or justice or consequences or accountability, you can frame it those ways also. We, be, we succumb to su- uh, subjective ideals. In other words, I do things as they please me. And I might even say things like, well, I'm not hurting anyone. So, you know, well, what about hurting yourself? Are you hurting yourself by doing those things? Are you hurting yourself by, by the things that maybe doesn't affect other people? But the point being <clears throat> that to, to not have judgment would suggest that the Creator doesn't care about the awful things that happen in creation. He would be like an absent father who, who sired these children and just left home. And when he left home, havoc happened in the home and all kinds of abuses and all kinds of horrific things happened. And the father never lifted a finger to care. What kind of father would that be? It would be a very irresponsible father. So in that sense, we need judgment. But also look at it this way. Without judgment chaos rules. What do I mean by that? Think about Mussolini, one of the the greatest, and Stalin, some of the greatest, and Hitler, some of the greatest mass genocide uh, leaders of all time. I mean, it is shameful what they did. Millions and millions of people died under their regimes. And the killing was not accidental, it was systematic. It It was something based on their perverted values. So, Maybe in their minds they're saying, well, you know, I don't hurt anybody, but our, you know, our people don't get hurt, but we'll hurt everybody else because that's the way it's got to be. So without real judgment that is outside of us, without real judgment that is objective, objective meaning not, not personal, not, not subjective, it's not me judging, but someone outside of me judging, anything goes, and chaos rules. And have you ever noticed... When a family whose daughter was raped or their son were, was shot in the head, when they, when they go through the whole process of the detectives find the killer and this whole dramatic thing happened and the killer finally admits it and, and there's the courtroom scene and you see this family and they are, they are just on pins and needles. Why are they on pins and needles? Because if they don't get justice... There, is very, there are very few things as painful, very few things that are as wounding and as hopeless as to be denied justice. But have you noticed that when they do get justice and the, the, the judge says guilty or the, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the jury says guilty and then the judge sentences this, the murderer, all of a sudden... That family rejoices in a sense, and every, all the stress drains out of them because they got justice. So imagine a world where there's no justice. And maybe in, there are cases right now where there is no justice, but there will be justice because God will bring justice. He promises that all things will eventually be judged. Now, knowing that there is a reckoning sometimes is the only comfort that many people have in an evil world. Knowing that one day someone will pay for their evil is the only hope and comfort that some people have. This is why we need judgment. We need, even though we may not like it, we may not like God calling the calls. He's God. He's the creator. But here's just maybe one more reason we can think about of why 
why we need judgment in life, why we need a day of reckoning. So what good is the kingdom of God, right? What God is trying to create in the world. What good is the kingdom he offers if there's no justice in it? If everybody just loves each other and, and when someone gets hurt or murdered or abused or, or, or just something horrific happens to them, God just turns, he turns his head, doesn't even pay attention to it. What, who wants to be part of that kingdom? But God promises in scriptures, in the scriptures, and Jesus, like I said, he, he spoke more about judgment than anybody else, that justice will happen to all, one way or another, whether it's good or bad justice, in the sense of, of if someone did wrong or if someone did well, they will be judged either way. So here, here's the, the ugly question we have to ask. And I've had conversations with people about this through the years, and you know, how can a loving God who says, I am love, judge and condemn people to hell. Because the Bible speaks about hell. And let me just say this. That statement alone can oversimplify the question. It's so easy. Have you ever noticed it's very easy to to dismiss something that you oversimplify and just kind of put it in a little package and put a bow on it and say, well, you know, we're done. Um, however, is, is that something... Uh, did you do justice to that question in the right way? And um, Tim Keller made a great observation um, out of the book written by Becky uh, Pippert called Hope Has Has Its Reasons. And Becky Pippert said, according to Tim Keller, uh, she said, if I, a flawed, narcissistic, meaning you know, self-centered, sinful woman, can feel this much pain and anger over someone's condition, you know, she means someone who's broken and hurting that she loves. How much more a morally perfect God who made them? How much more won't God feel that pain for the person he created and they've gone the wrong way and their life is broken? God's wrath is not a cranky explosion, but his settled opposition to the to the cancer of sin, which is eating out of the insides of the human race he loves with his whole being. In other words, God hates the cancer of sin that has caused all the pain in the world. And that's his reaction. That's why there is judgment, because his creation has become ruined by evil, by sin and evil. So what God did to show the seriousness of, of judgment is all over the scriptures also. I mean, he, he, he basically created humanity, but he sent Christ. So God is, never think of God as someone who's outside looking looking at us from from some lofty height with with detached interest and with little care how do we know that that, that is true because god sent the only son he had to die for us god sent the only son he had to get on that cross and be judged of god in our place and be judged as if he were the one who sinned as if he were the one who committed all those crimes this is how serious God's judgment is, that he's not detached from it. He has a vested interest because his own son, his own son came to die and to, and to be judged in our place with the judgment that we deserved. So this is why I love Jesus, because he, he did this for me. And I hope this gives you a different, a little bit different picture of judgment, that it's not just this angry God, you know, 
like fire and brimstone, just ready to send you to hell and ready to judge you. The fact is, God doesn't send anyone to hell. People make their choices. And if they if they want to end up on, on what has been called, again, by Tim Keller, I, I think he called it the skid row of the universe, where, where people just, they, that's where they want to live, because they want to live for themselves. They want to live for materialism. They want to live uh, for self-indulgence and and uh, just do their own thing. That's where they, where they end up. However, this God, don't you think that he grieves over his creation? Don't you think that even if people make that choice, don't you think it breaks his heart because he loves all his creation no matter where they are, no matter what they do. He loves us. Even if we are evil, he loves Stalin. He loves Hitler. Even though they were lost and broken, he loves them because he created them. And that may be hard to say, but it is nonetheless true. Now, judgment shows how serious sin is, and the cross shows how much God loves us to put his Son on there to forgive us and to restore uh, the world, to restore creation to where it needs to be. So sin isn't just breaking the rules. It's not just breaking the Ten Commandments. It's more than that. But sin is living for yourself. It's living for empty things. It's living for materialism. It's self-gratification. It's saying, I am first. It's having your only purpose in life to please yourself. That is a big part of sin. But let me, let me say this today before we close, that if, if God placed His only Son on the cross, He's showing us how seriousness and how intense and how, how focused He is on upholding judgment. Why would He not hold, uphold judgment when it costs when it costs Him the very blood of His own Son? So what did it cost God to restore creation and to restore human beings back back to to normalcy, back to salvation, back to to be to being healed again? It cost him his son. So never think that God is is this detached, angry person who who simply just doesn't care and just is waiting to beat up on us and waiting to destroy us. God loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. The Bible says that whoever whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, and that word perish speaks of kind of like discarded trash, like the, the skid row, that sin makes my life into refuse. It wastes my life. And God never wants that. He loves us that much. And He, he loves you today. And no matter what your journey is, He loves you. And he, he loves everything about you because He created you. So I want you to be encouraged, actually, by this word judgment and not fearful of it. So until next time, be blessed, and make sure that you, uh, I want to encourage you to check out our website. It's soul02.com, and there you'll find blogs, and uh, and uh, uh, we just started a YouTube channel, which we need to uh, have likes on there and subscriptions so that we can get our proper name on it. Uh, and we also have some, some audio, the audio files in audio form. All, all, all that we do on video is on audio also. And so I, I want you to, Please join us on and like us on Facebook and subscribe and subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us and hit the thumbs up and all that because we we want to connect. I want to help as many people as I can. I, I don't do this because uh, I have all this time on my hands. I do this because I love people, and it's important to me what happens in people's lives. I don't want to see anyone perish or anyone uh, be lost in their journey or broken because God loves them too much for that. Until next time, God bless you.